grab me a beer and grab him a coke. We bout to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he done sobered up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon says, here, bitch, your ex drink your buddy. Brandon says, here, bitch, your ex drink your buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. If you're new to the program, quick rundown of the show. I used to be everyone's favorite drinking buddy. It was my favorite thing to do. Hang out with friends, get drunk, do drugs, get in all sorts of trouble, party and reminisce about crazy stories. I'm sober now, but that is still one of my favorite things to do. Hang out with friends, talk shit, talk shop and reminisce about the crazy old days. Most weeks I will be joined by a guest. This week is no exception. The man behind the camera, first <laughs> podcast ever, John Cafaro. Hi, how are you, Brennan? Good, how are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for asking me to come here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for doing it. So this is, plug everything up front, because you are the man behind everybody's posts, behind everybody's pictures, and uh, the New York comedy scene. So tell everybody where they can find you. Um, I think Instagram is probably the best way. It's uh, John and his camera, J-O-H-N, and his camera, all spelled yeah. out. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. So you are a photographer. Yes. If uh, we haven't established that already. <laughs> and I first met you because you do a lot of the shows here in New York City, from the stand to the independent shows at bars to the comedy clubs. You're just all over the place. I am. I am. Yeah. It just uh, kind of fell into my lap and uh, been, you know, going full steam ahead. Uh, seems to be a good way to get my name out there. And uh, yeah, the way people promote my stuff without me trying to too hard to do it it's been very beneficial yeah well we are all super narcissistic creatures <laughs> in the comedy world so and you take great pictures i know as soon as i moved here i think it was a couple months in i had done a show and you were doing the photography for it and then after you put everything up online and i just remember thinking like I paid professionally to get headshots done, and these pictures are like a thousand times better. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, that's my goal is to, uh, yeah, I want to be the best. I think uh, I come from a world where I'm put into a spot that's very difficult to get good photos, i.e. corporate settings or weddings and that events. And I think being able to uh, shoot, you know, in the middle of New York City with as you said, narcissists who, yeah. who want their photo taken, it's so easy. Um, so I'm able to get these crazy good photos um, because of it. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. So your first time on the, the podcast, first time on any podcast, which is exciting, but this is the first time on this show. So tell the listeners, I kind of want to figure out John because oh. – you know, comics so often are on stage and we, we talk a lot about our own lives and stuff. So before I even have people on, a lot of times I you kind of get a, a glimpse into who they are. But you are always like so nice. It's all you always put the comedians first. You're always like, what do you want to do? Like, how are you? Doing? So tell everybody just about you. So you're from originally from Brooklyn. Yeah, I was uh, born and raised in a neighborhood called Gravesend, Brooklyn. And it's funny because when I say that, most people have never heard of it. Okay. Super, super South Brooklyn, like one stop before Coney Island, um, born and raised to Italian, born, born there and raised by Italian immigrants. Um, I grew up in like a super Italian neighborhood. Um, honestly, like I, the, I never knew anyone over 40 that spoke English because oh, I just really? was around yeah. just like Italians. Um, and uh, yeah, it was like pretty rough growing up there. Uh, I was born in 79, so I grew up in the 80s in Brooklyn. And uh, it was a wild time. Yeah, that was back when it was uh, Biggie's yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. And there were like, you know, neighborhoods like you just don't go to. And like, it's just funny now, like when I talk to my dad and I'm like, oh, yeah, last night we went, went to a restaurant in Brooklyn. And like, you know, you it's you hear the, like the record player screech. Yeah. like, what? You were in Bushwick last night? Uh, so, yeah, we've seen it all. Just a lot of crazy stuff. And then um, when I was 13... My parents just kind of, I guess, had enough of what was going on in Brooklyn and uh, moved us to the suburbs of New Jersey. And, oh, okay. Yeah, it was a crazy difference. You know, yeah, I was going to say, growing up and like spending, you know, your formative years almost in Brooklyn and then all of a sudden you're in the suburbs, was it, what was the biggest change you noticed? Um, <laughs> Honestly, the biggest change was like not having to find a place 
to play football okay. <laughs> or sports. It was just so like in Brooklyn, like we were constantly getting kicked out of like church parking lots or the older kids would kick us out of the park and that sort of thing. And then I moved to Jersey. And well, first of all, everyone wanted to be my friend. Like I was a cool new kid from Brooklyn. Yeah. So it was no problem making friends. And then second of all, just the ability to just like do whatever you want, whenever you want. Um, yeah, all the open space, all yeah. the freedom. Yeah. And also my parents were, they were strict in some ways, but like super loosey-goosey as long as I, you know, was responsible and came home when I, when I said I would. So like, you know, it just felt like a whole new world had opened up like for me when I moved to Jersey. So when you moved to Jersey, do you tell people, because I'm ignorant to this because I'm from the South, but do you tell people you're from New York City or do you say Brooklyn? Um, uh, interesting. I probably say Brooklyn. Yeah. I yeah. was going to say that's a, I've noticed that it's uh it's broken down by the boroughs. So yeah. If you're outside of New York, you just say, oh, I'm from New York city. But you, when you're in like the Northeast, you say which borough you're well, from. I think especially like over like the last 10 years or so, like Brooklyn has kind of gotten its own, you know, reputation. So I probably would still say it. Yeah, my wife's from Tennessee, so okay. we go to the South quite often. Yeah. And there's never been an issue of people knowing where or even what <laughs> Brooklyn is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I, I think I say I do say Brooklyn because I don't know. I'm definitely represent. not a Manhattan kid. Definitely yeah. not a Manhattan kid. You got to represent. BK <laughs> in the building. Uh, so what got you into photography? Have you always had a passion for this or, or have you always been creative or how did the, you fall into this? So funny enough, it's literally the only job I've ever had. Um, See, that's insane to me because I know so many people who dabble in photography. Like they buy a super nice camera and they go, oh, I, I do photography. And it's like, well, do you? Yeah. Do you? But this is the only thing you've ever done. Correct. My dad's a photographer and so is my uh -huh. uncle, his brother. So I was kind of almost born into it. Um, and, you know, my dad being an Italian immigrant just had me working. Yeah. Um, now, thank goodness he wasn't in construction or yeah, anything so like that. Yeah, 13 carrying the lights and yes. the yeah, cameras. Yes. And... Now, granted, at the time, in like the 90s, it was still like a lot of equipment um, yeah. to get a job done back then. And it was big and heavy. You know, everything's gotten smaller and lighter now. But yeah, so I started doing that. The first job he took me to, I was 12 years old. And I remember that because it was a bar mitzvah. Okay. And I remember, man, like, oh, this is what I'm going to be going to. Like when I thir thir turn 13, my Jewish friends are going to be inviting me to this thing. Yeah. So that's how I, the only reason I know I was 12. Yeah. When the first time he took me to work. Now, granted, I wasn't working full time. It was just like here and there. Like he would just wanted me to see what it was about. Yeah. And see and help out. And yeah. But all through high school, that was like, you know, everyone has a job working at fast food. I was working weddings and you know, corporate stuff and going with my dad and helping wow. him set up. So like, but I hated it. Did I you? hated it. Yeah. Did you hate it because it was like your dad was kind of pushing you into it and you were just being rebellious or did you hate it because you just really didn't have a passion for photography? Um. Well, yeah. I mean, I was a stupid teenager. Like it yeah. could have been anything, you know? That's what, and, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I, I would have just hated it just because I wasn't you know, doing nothing with my friends. Yeah. I wasn't playing video games, so this fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> when did you decide, because you ended up, you went to college and everything like that, did you not? Uh, I went to a community college okay. just to, you know, because once I graduated high school, I didn't know what to do. And like, I was still on the mindset, like, oh, photography stuff for me. I don't want to do that. Okay. So you still thought about doing something else. Yeah, but I had no idea. Like, I was just trying to delay the real world as yeah. long as possible. So I just, you know, went to a two-year school right after uh, uh, high school. And um, and then, you know, I realized, all right, maybe photography isn't so bad. And I kind of like did it just because I basic because it was there and it was easy. Yeah. Yeah, because it's a part of your life. So yeah. did you um, did you end up taking over like for your dad or did you start your own thing or how I did – take us through how all that happened. Yeah. So I uh, kind of started my own thing. Um and uh, I do a lot of freelance work. So by the time I was like ready to shoot, like I basically knew everybody in the business because I was doing it for so long. So yeah. everyone knew me as like my father's assistant. So it was super easy to, for me to like get gigs. So any like any like new and upcoming studio was aware of who I was. So they were willing to give me a shot because they, you know, wanted to pay less. Yeah. So they'd give money, you know, they hire me knowing that they wouldn't have to pay, you know, someone that was... Well you know, established, established. was going to charge an arm and a leg. Yeah, so then I was, and then who? I didn't care because I was like in my early twenties. So like this is super great. Like you know, I make. At the time, it was like so much money. You know, yeah. 
and uh, and to, for what to go to a, like a party for like six hours? It was and also like a lot of them at, were at the evening, so like it was great because when I was done at eleven twelve, my that's when my friends were going out, so I would just go out, yeah, and get blasted in the Lower East Side right after. <laughs> so what did you start? That's awesome. What did you start? What did you start with? You said like parties and corporate events and stuff like that. Yeah, surprisingly enough, it and I still do this. A lot of Orthodox Jewish weddings. That is probably my main source of income. Okay. Um, yeah, and it's pretty interesting because I don't think a lot of people know this, but uh, you know they observe um, the Sabbath from Friday night to Saturday night, so they don't do anything Friday, Saturday night, Friday and Saturday nights. Okay. Which means they do all their weddings and all their events Sunday through Thursday, which really fills in my schedule. Yeah. So, and then I can book my own non secular stuff on Friday and Saturday. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say because most of the comedy that you do is Friday and Saturday. Yeah. Well, also, like, I do during the week too. So, like, I'll fill in. If, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to do a comedy show if someone books me for a wedding during the week, but. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. It's getting to the point where, like, it's just I see the return. The return is better on doing a comedy show because the contacts I'm making and the followers I get. I know that sounds terrible, but I guess in well, this no, age, that's yeah. what it is now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, me, Tori Cole and I talked about it last week. How social media, like, trying to figure it out is a pain in the ass. But once you do, it's it's awesome because yeah. then all of a sudden you have this reach you didn't have before, and it's interesting because. The way I look at it is like you do a wedding, you get paid obviously for your your time and your effort and your work, but then it's over. Mm -hmm. You do a comedy show and then all yep. of a sudden people use that as their headshot. They, they're like, oh my God, look at these awesome pictures that John took, you know, and then when the – whatever it is, whether it's the Village Idiot guys or the Hell Yeah Boys or whoever it is, they're like, oh – Every time that they post one of your pictures now moving forward, like, hey, come check out our show next week. Look at these pictures from last week. John and his camera did all this. Yeah. So there's constantly a return on what you're doing. A thousand percent. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it, yeah. So it, it really weighs on me. Like, what do I do here? Like, I'll look at a show and I look at that's like, who's on the show. Yeah. I do I'm the like, same thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah, I'm going to literally make 10 times more money if I shoot this wedding. But, you know. The long term. Yeah. Ari Shafir's on this show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've done that before too where uh, there'll be two or three shows in a night. And because I'm always thinking about the podcast, you know, obviously if I'm not booked on something and then it's like, okay, well, I want to go support, but I'm only one person. So I can only go to one show. Mm -hmm. I'll check all the lineups. Then I'll be like, I kind of really want to get this person on the podcast. So maybe I'll go to this show, support, hang out, and then just happen to mention. Sure. So I do the same kind of thing where it's like, well – I could go do this, but, you know, Mark Norman's on that show, so I might go there. There was a comic um, visiting from Seattle. I won't say his name. It's going to blow up his spot. But uh, he was saying how, like, it's so different in New York where it's all that. It's all just like – Yeah. What can Posturing. you <laughs> – Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the other thing too is I was talking to somebody at work about this because I had a guest come in and they're – again, like you said, I'm not going to mention their name. But it was a guest that came in and I work at a really nice restaurant and uh, they the, the guest has ties to a, a really big club here in the city. And I was just excited to be waiting on them. I was And like I wasn't pushy about like comedy or anything. But then we got to talking and we ended up talking about comedy like for almost two hours, like the whole time they were there. And I was trying my best to be like, all right, don't – don't insert yourself, but like just – and then one of the other servers looks at me and she rolls her eyes and she goes, God, this is so New York. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, it's always about what other people can get me. And I was like, no, I'm genuinely interested. Like yeah. that's not my motive at all. But it doesn't matter like what your intention is because that's what it seems like all the time is like, well, how can this benefit me? And I was like, that's not what I'm doing. That's not what I'm – but in the end of the day, it's like – I mean I guess, yeah, that's kind of exactly what I'm doing. Um, yeah, I had a pretty – popular comic come to my studio for, you know, I don't know what to call it, headshots or promo shots or whatever. And uh, they were getting like kind of like just talking about the whole scene and saying how used they feel and people are only about, you know, using them and getting what, you know, they're only friends with this person to get something for themselves. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I like this person and I don't, 
want it to seem like I'm using the person, but I am definitely getting yeah, exactly. a huge well, benefit then, from having their photos on my – and I, I just blatantly put it out there. Like, I, you know, I'm technically using you here. I don't yeah. want you to feel that way. Let's get this out on the table. And cl- they weren't – you know, they kind of laughed and they weren't – you know, they weren't the insulted. Hardest, that's the hardest part about it is because in my heart, I'm genuinely empathetic and I try to be a good guy. But at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like if I ask someone to come on, it's like, well, no, you talk about like not drinking anymore in your set and stuff. So I'd love you to come on mm-hmm. and like promote you and promote the set. But it doesn't matter how you word it because at the end of the day when yep. all the dust settles, it's like, no, I've got 300,000 followers, which is why you want me on your podcast. It was like, no, that's a benefit, yeah. but that's not why. Right. But it's so hard trying to explain it. So now I just kind of lean into it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm a piece of shit. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. I guess that's a good way to go about it. Sure. Because <laughs> it's it's exhausting being like, no, I'm actually friends with this person. Like, I like this person. Yeah. Like, if they called me tomorrow and said, hey, you know, we got to fight in Brooklyn. Like, you got to be there. I'll be there. Yeah. But that's not going to happen. So comedy. Well, so l- let me let me get ask you about this because – as a comic, I want to get your opinion on this. Sometimes a comedian will ask me, oh, I want to come to your studio and get headshots. What's your rate? And there's sometimes, honestly, like that person, I'm a fan of that person. I've known them before I started doing comedy photography and like, I don't even want to charge them. Just come to my studio just so I have their headshots. But then there's another comic right after that. I don't know that person from a hole in the wall. Yeah. And I'm need to charge them yeah so like what's the etiquette there like sh- <laughs> so this is interesting you bring this up so friend of the show mike carano who's a, a photographer out in la he also was the gm of the uh improv for 30 years so he's been around comedy his whole life and i hear him talk about this all the time because it's one of those things where he's a professional comedian like it's his pictures on the wall at the improv those are the ones he took mm-hmm. and so I remember once they were talking about just doing professional headshots and it was like $500 or $800 or something insane. And this is obviously in LA where, you know, you can charge that. And I remember thinking like, God, when my friends who did quote unquote photography, like we talked about earlier, would charge me a hundred bucks. I'd be like, God, this is so much. So really, I think it just boils down to the preference of the photographer. Now, in my opinion, I would say you charge everybody. Now you yeah. can charge different rates, but you charge everybody because it's your time and it's worth something. But at the same time, say, you know, the podcast blows up all of a sudden, you know, this this becomes like a thing. And then you're like, oh, well, I've got, you know, I did all these pictures for mm-hmm. Brennan. So now I can use that to promote my stuff. So it's one of those like chicken or the egg. It's like, yeah, I mean, I would, I, this is how I am with standup. Is that if anybody like I wait tables, obviously, most of the time uh, because this doesn't pay yet. But when people are like, oh, you're a comedian, tell us a joke. Yeah. That's where it's like, no, that's not. Which I'm sure it's the same with you. Like if you're walking around and people figure out you're a photographer, they're like, oh, get a couple pictures of us. Sure. You're not going to be like, OK, sure. Yeah. So it just it, the, the line comes in like. I guess wherever you – that's not even a real answer. I guess yeah. it's, you know, I just talked in circles. <laughs> because I don't really know because it's one of those things where I'd say charge everybody to maintain the professionalism. But then at the same time, it's like, yeah, but there's certain people who they just don't have it right now. And then if they blow up and you ended up not, never getting those pictures, you're going to be like, fuck, man. I could have done that. Yeah. No, absolutely. Or some – I mean I'm more asking about the people that are already blown up that want photos. Oh, and, then. You know, that's – Then, Yeah. Then I'd charge them just to see if they'd pay. And if they say no, then be like, ah, never mind. You know, I you know. You can that, always backpedal. That has happened. Has it really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, an LA comic at the stand took the pictures, saw just immediately. Um, I had posted right away, pretty big name. And uh, they're like, oh, that's great. I'm in town till like such and such date. You took could do photos um, before I leave. I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's. And then I sent them my rates and like, oh, I thought this would be, you know, we would just do it for, you know, for you to get photos of me. And I'm like, um, yeah, okay, that does sound good. How about you just cover the cost of the studio, you know? And I won't even make money on this. Just like so, it doesn't cost me anything. Radio silence, nothing. No, no, no response. Just left wow. on red. Yeah, it was like a hundred bucks. Like, God. <laughs> see, and that's the one thing I don't, I mean, I guess if they're, if they're blowing up, they're blowing up. But that's the thing is like, 
like obviously you see we're in this studio and like I do all this and this is just I do this mm -hmm. because it, my dad used to always say when I was growing up like it doesn't matter what you do in life you got to try to be the best at it mm -hmm. so in my opinion like when I first started the podcast I bought all my own equipment I spent you know a couple hundred dollars but I was like I had a spare room in the house in Florida and I was like we're going to turn this into a studio and I I did it and it's the same thing now in New York it's like I would never even if a comic's coming on to promote like an album they have coming out or anything, I would never even think to be like, oh, yeah, can you cover half the cost of the studio or anything like that? Yeah. So it's insane to me where you get in those situations where you're like, yeah, we'll just cover. This is for you. Yeah. Literally, I'm behind the camera. I yeah. don't. This is not for me at all. Like, just cover the cost. And they're like, nah, man, that's 100 bucks. Is, that's too rich for my blood. It's like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I can't believe that you got to tell me who it was off mic. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's get into um, let's get into it. So you said when you were living in, uh, so you were in Jersey, and then the last time we were talking about it, you you were you moved to the suburbs of Jersey. Thirteen years old, you're helping out your dad doing photography. Then you went to community college, and then were you doing photography this whole time? Yeah, I was, okay. I was pretty much assisting my dad at, at this time and okay. like just like kind of finishing up jobs, not really – I wouldn't even call myself a photographer at that okay. point, but yeah. And then when did you go out on your own? How old were you then? Um, Probably like – you know, it was like a slow transi transition. There was like a long few-year period where I was just doing both, like, you know, um, shooting on my own, getting my own clients, but I was still primarily working with my dad or assisting my dad. Um, so like it took, you know, like I'd say four or five years. I mean, I still work with my, my dad, you know, isn't retired 67 years old. Still, still doing it? Still doing it. I mean, not as often as he is, but he still has his clients and, yeah. you know, um, still working. When it's a big event, they bring out the big guys. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, listen, don't get, don't get me wrong. I'm, I do the heavy lifting, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> he's, but he's got face. that eye. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so when did you, cause you talked about, um, like doing gigs during the day and then going out with your friends and stuff at night or doing gigs in the evening and then going out with your friends at night. Yeah. So when was that? Was that – were you still was, in Jersey or was that – Oh, at that – it was a mix because I moved back to uh, uh, Brooklyn, um, you know, soon after college. Okay. Uh, so you're like 21, 22 and then – No, well, I was still in Jersey then. So I probably moved back to the city like, you know, late 20s, 28, 29. Okay. Yeah. And then um, – was doing a lot of that, but also when I was living in Jersey, it didn't matter because I only need you know hangovers weren't that bad, so I would just go hang out. I wouldn't get drunk, like blasted drunk, but just go out and then drive back to Jersey. It was yeah. crazy, like it's crazy now. I live in Brooklyn, and like the thought of going to Manhattan on like a Friday night is just like oh, I'm not gonna do that. But like ten years ago, it was like oh yeah, I'll drive from Jersey into Manhattan for a few hours and then drive back. Oh my god, that sounds brutal. Yeah, I know. But that's what I did because that's where my friends were. Yeah. So yeah. most of your friends were in the city or you'd meet up in the city? Um, both, yeah. No, most of my friends were in the city at that point. And it was just like I had bought a, an apartment in Jersey for myself So because I just wanted to buy something and that was the only place I could afford it. So I'm like, oh, I'll just commute back and forth to the city. And then um, I had enough of it. And I'm like, I'm just going to rent in the city in Brooklyn and um, rent out the apartment in Jersey. Okay. Yeah, so that's what I've been doing since then. So I rent in New York and – so you're I'm a, a landlord land in Jersey, Jersey and, and a renter. renter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I wanted to bring up – so this is something – we'll kind of bounce around with because you did send me a list of stories. But this is something – you were talking about coming in from Jersey. Yeah. And this is a story I definitely wanted to, to touch on because this was pretty hilarious in my opinion. So you had a story about one time coming into the city and getting hammered. Yes. And then uh, tell that story. I think you know which one I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I think so. So we were pretty, uh, I'd say, somewhat responsible. What year? And, how old are you when this happens? Uh, I'd say like, like mid twenties. Okay. Like, yeah. And um, you know, I had this this distinct group of friends from high school, and um, I don't know. Being a career, I, I was, I don't know. I played a lot of sports in high school, but also as a creative. So I had like very distinct group of friends yeah. and like there was almost like very little crossover between the two and uh you know the guys that i played sports with the the jocks uh they were you know really into going out and getting hammered, hammered. Drunk. just hammered, hammered. Drunk. like you know just typical frat boys and uh 
we would do that. And being in Jersey, it was super easy just to go into the city, you know, get blasted. And, you know, there's so much public tra- transportation, it was super easy. But being like in the suburbs, it was hard to get to that public transportation. So okay. we would, yeah. So we'd always like devise a way of like getting, call- and this is also pre Uber. Yeah, pre Uber, pre Lyft. So yeah. the, the problem isn't Jersey to the city, the problem is, Jersey central to where you're going. Yeah, so we like would generally to where you're going. Exactly, and they they didn't make it easy. Like the parking situation by all those you know trains. You need permits. You need to pay crazy things. So it was almost impossible to drive to the path or like New Jersey Transit and then take the train into the city. It was like at that point you might as well just drive into the city. Yeah. So, but you know if you're getting drunk, that's not an option. So. We would always take a cab to a train station, typically the path in Harrison, New Jersey, and then take the path into the city, get drunk, and then take the path back and then get a cab from the path back into the, the suburbs. So but, that was the kind of, that was the, that's yeah, what That's generally said. what we did. Yeah, that was the plan. That was the plan. Um, I mean, ultimately, if everything worked out, you'd find a place to sleep in the city, but you know. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> but um, yeah, so one time we did this and we'd take the cab back and i remember it was freezing it was so cold it was the middle of winter so you go into the city you have a good time yep. and then you're like all right let's hit the path back to yes the- and it was probably like like a bunch of us like five six guys just like it was so like why the- we're doing that like what was we think was going to happen <laughs> i don't I, now i don't know about this because i'm not i stay i try to stay in the on the island but um the path does that run 24 7 it does but like i forget what time but after like a certain uh time it becomes like i believe every half hour or 20 minutes and then it doesn't even it hits all the stops but it does you have one line goes to one and then goes to the other line it's just really so it turns into a mess it turns into a mess you have to wait half an hour if you miss it you have half an hour you have to wait half an hour to get the next one and then normally during rush hour a 20 minute path ride now turns into like a 45 minute hour ride because it's like one line that hits all the stops as opposed to like an express i guess Okay, I got you. So we do that. We go out, have a great time, take the path back. We get out, and it's probably like it's three, four in the morning, and there's just no cabs. And again, there's no Uber at this time. So what do we do? And you're freezing. Freezing. Middle of winter. Middle of winter. Freezing. And we don't know what to do. So we like just wander. Like maybe I don't know if we walk around, we'll see a cab or something. Um, And also, this is like flip phone days. It's not like you can just Google. Yeah. Cab company so how far are you from the train station because you said that you would cab so it's obviously too far to walk yeah how far is it like 10 miles five miles uh like 20 oh my god yeah it's it's like a half hour ride yeah Yeah. half hour car ride okay so it's not one of those things where it's like well i'll just put my head down and start walking and yeah and also it's you're not in the best neighborhood these you know they don't these train stations are like you know, yeah. not the best neighborhoods. So no, like I, that's I totally not even an understand. option. Yeah. They do kind of like pretty up the surrounding area where the train stop is. But once you get out of there, like. That's what happened. We had a, a storage unit in Jersey. So I would have to take before because everything got destroyed with that hurricane. I got flooded out. So we had to get rid of it. But before I would go out there like once a month just to check on everything, make sure everything was good. And that's the same thing. Like I yeah. would. Go to 34th Penn Station and I would take the train, like one of the one of the Jersey lines out there. And you get out and you're like, oh, this train station is nice. Like they've got everything all dolled up. The second you like walk out of the parking lot, you're like, oh, I'm not in I'm not in Manhattan anymore. Yep. Like, this is sketchy. Yeah. So that's basically where we were doing. Yeah. And this was 15 years ago when yeah. you were doing it. Yeah. 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 So uh, it was Scary. I mean, I, it was. I mean, you know, there was safety in numbers, so it wasn't that scary. But we still didn't know how we were going to get home. Yeah, it's also twenty miles. You're yeah. not going to walk that. Uh, impossible. It's literally impossible because it's highway. And also, like, how would we know which way to go? Yeah. Like, I've never walked from Newark to Livingston, New Jersey. It's just like, and not to mention, it's like twelve degrees outside. Yes, exactly. It, it was off the table. That was not in the equation. Walking. It was just not. You know, nowhere on our minds. So we're just figuring out, like, what do we do here? Like, I guess we just hope a cab drives by. So we're just walking, and we see a cab. Like, Yeah, in the movies. There's just a cab parked waiting for us. And, like, it's in the distance. And, all right, great. We're we're saved. 
So he walked towards the cab. How excited is everyone like, oh, my God, there yeah. it is. Oh, like, my God. Yeah. It's like Christmas morning. It's like, <laughs> we're done. That's it. We're saved. Hallelujah. It's all done. All our problems are solved. So we walked towards the cab and we realized it's not on. And then we realized there's nobody in the cab. Oh, no. So we're like, son of a bitch. So we checked the door handles. <laughs> And the door is open. So, so the we, cab's just completely open. It's just completely open, unlocked, just parked in the middle of nowhere in Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> so we just pile in. And, like, I don't even remember who was there. But, like, we're, it's like a clown car. It's just like a bunch of us. Because now we're at the point, like, oh, this is just – we're doing this just for warmth. Yeah. And it's a bunch of, like, 25-year-old, like, goons just, like, piled into, like, someone else's cab. And uh, sure enough, we get in the car. And, no keys, uh, no driver. Of course, nope, nope. And uh, but there is a phone number listed, like I guess for the co- cab company or whatever it is. So a friend of mine whips out his cell phone, you know, flip phone at the time, dials a number, gets someone on the line, and I never forget. It was so funny. My friend goes, "Yeah, we're at the uh, Harrison train station, and uh, we need a cab driver." And she's like, "All right, so we'll send the cab right away." He goes, "Oh no, 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 no! We don't need a cab. We have a cab." <laughs> We just need a driver. And it was just the funniest thing because I don't know if my friend was just like trying to mess with the person or was just so drunk that it didn't hit him. But he was trying to convince this person, just send a – just have just a, a driver. driver. Like a... We're, we got the cab covered. Yeah. We're all good with that. God, that's hilarious. Um, but sure enough, we figured it. We How just had them send – Yeah, that, that – Call that call provided us with another cab okay. and one driver. <laughs> yeah, so you all piled in. There. So you all piled in there and got home. But yeah, that was a pretty God, rough. That's like I'd say that was like a rough forty-five minutes to an hour, wondering how we we're going to get home or trying to steal a cab. Well, that's always something too, where it's. So this happened to me when we first moved here, and I had to take the U-Haul back because, like, I got an email from U-Haul saying, like, "Oh, we'll give you a credit if you bring it back to this one instead of that one because we need U-Hauls mm-hmm. here." Anyway, I remember pulling it up on my phone and this is, you know, in the era of phones and GPSs and all that kind of stuff and still driving there, it was like way in North Bronx is mm-hmm. where they wanted me to drop it off, which is fine. But like it was five or six o'clock in the afternoon. So traffic was insane. Yeah. And I just remember that same feeling of like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, yeah. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't know how I'm going to get back. Like, yeah. And this is with Ubers and lists and everything, but still that fear of like, I guess I'm just fucked. Yeah. Like, I don't, I guess this is it. It's in God ha- God's hands. Yeah. <laughs> I, and then of course we like, you know, we're both sitting here today, so we always figure it out, but it's one of those things where it's like that anxiety and fear of like, I guess, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do guys. Yep. We're just here. Yep. So I did want to, <laughs> you said now, some of these, as you said, get a little <laughs> dicey. Yeah. So full disclosure to the listeners, John came in and he was like, hey, man, I was thinking about it. And some of those stories are kind of dark, which I love. <laughs> but some of them will uh, – you tell me if you want to do it. <clears throat> yeah. You did say from 2001 to 2004, you got a house on the shore in the summertime. Yep. Was that a tradition that you started or how did that end up happening? Yeah, that, that same group of guys that uh... – is this Ben and all them? <laughs> That's funny. That's not Ben. Ben was that group adjacent. He okay. was friends with those guys, but he wasn't really involved with that. Because Ben was in a lot of your stories. Ben is, yes. Ben, multiple arrests. Shouts to, out Ben. Ben had to bail him out of jail more like one time. Uh, yeah, one time he was, uh, he had visited that shore house Ben did. And uh, Ben is the, I mean... Let's just say he fits a certain stereotype okay. <laughs> of his heritage. <laughs> and uh, he would probably admit that. I, no, I know for a fact he would admit it. But uh, he tend to overdrink to the point where he'd become incoherent, to the point where Belligerent. it was – he couldn't get – he couldn't talk. Like literally gibberish would come out of his mouth. And like I don't, I don't say that with any hyperbole. Like liter- legitimately – Nonsensical. Just, nonsensical. Yeah. And regularly, like <laughs> every night. And it gets to the point where you're just having a night, a beer or two, and now you have this guy that you're essentially responsible for just causing havoc all yeah. over the bar or club or wherever we're at. And it just gets to the point where, like, you just want to disown yourself from him. So 
and it just it, it's so funny how like it trickles down and there was always one friend that just loved having him around and Ben would always get invited much to the chagrin of everyone else. Fucking Ben. <laughs> yeah. And uh every time Ben would come around, we'd we'd say, Oh, the person who invited him, my You're Irish irresponsible. friend. I don't I want to leave his name out of it. He has kids and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but our Irish friend, let's leave him, let's call him that. We say you're responsible for him. You invited him. You're responsible for him, and he was a second worst drunk in the group. Oh, really? So he'd be gone too, and so now it just like goes down the ladder of who's yeah. responsible for Ben. Eventually, it gets to the point where everyone washes their hands, and Ben is just a loose cannon, literally on the second floor of a bar. And then you know those Jersey bars are so cheesy and tacky, yeah. and just like. They have like beach chairs on a balcony overlooking. And Ben's throwing them off the balcony. Ben is trying to, at least. Yeah. Literally picking them up, trying to throw them to the point where like we have to restrain him. And again, you don't want to be associated with him. So, but you also don't want someone to be killed. Yeah. So you have to like, you know, keep an eye on him, but like not to be, you know, not make sure everyone knows you're not with him, but you are. It was just a really hard game. And then one time, you know, you get drunk, your friends get drunk, and you go home, and you wake up the next morning, and Ben is nowhere to be oh, found. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Did this happen at the summer house? Yeah. Actually, this isn't even a story. I don't know how I got into this, but this isn't even a story I told you. But No, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this, that's, this is my job as the host. So we um, <laughs> we don't know what to do. You know, we're, you know, we're well, 22. Well, set, set the scene for everybody. So this is – the South Shore in Jersey? Yes. And you Seaside High Street Jersey. Literally where they okay. wound up filming the Jersey, Jersey Shore. Shore. Yeah. It was one of the clubs that the Jersey Shore was always at. This okay. is where this happened. So, and you, every summer for that three-year, four-year stretch, you guys would all together as friends yeah. rent a house? The same house. Okay. The same two-bedroom apartment with 10 guys. <laughs> all right. And it was like, it was on the shore. You were right there. And yeah. Two blocks from the beach. Party all summer? Yeah. Party okay. all summer. We'd go down like every Friday after work and then leave Sunday. Every, okay. Like clockwork, you know. And Ben, this one faithful weekend, Ben just is missing. Well, Ben wasn't even part of it. He was, he wasn't in the, he was just a friend of the yeah, piece so of he all came of us. To visit. So he would come visit. Yeah. And this, yeah. He'd probably come once a year. And this was that one time, tries to throw chairs off the balcony, doesn't succeed. At least we don't think so. We all wash our hands of him. Next morning, we don't know where he is. Actually, and this is also the, the last day of summer. I think that's why he came. We had to like check out that day. Oh, God. So we had like a lot of work to do. Like, of course, we leave it to the last minute to clean up yeah. the apartment. Clean, put, yeah, fix yeah. the holes in the wall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We want our security deposit back. So, and now we have to find. Ben. ben, where in the world is, is he ben? dead? Is he in a hospital? Is he in jail? We have no idea. So we call like everywhere. We don't know what to do. I believe we called the hospital first. <laughs> and like, and also I believe, I don't know why, but I think we knew he didn't have his ID on him either. And I don't know why we knew that. Maybe we found his ID. So like we know that he's not speaking English because <laughs> yeah. he's so drunk. We know he doesn't have his ID and we know, don't know where he is. So like, it's just like a mess. And uh, so we're just calling like all the hospitals in the area. No one knows where he is. Um, finally, and then I think we also call like a couple of the, you know, police departments and they keep giving us like, oh, you should call this number. And then we call that number. Like, oh, you should call this number. Yeah, the runaround. And finally we get to this number and I remember my friend is on the phone <laughs> and he goes, um, I believe he he gave her like a physical description. You have like a six foot two Asian man with, <laughs> with no ID that's probably very loud and belligerent. And the person on the other end goes, oh, yeah, we have him. <laughs> <laughs> we got him. <laughs> so it was just kind of the sigh of relief. All right, at least we know he's safe. He's in he's jail. Alive, yeah. <laughs> um, so we just went about the rest of our day. We took our time. I'll never forget it, thinking, no, you know what? We should – punish him just like we're not gonna rush there and we also saw like it was on the way home (laughs) so we'll just do it we'll just do what we need to do to get this about ready and then pick him up and bail him out over there and um we got super lucky because it was like you know a holiday weekend and they were ready to like close up shop for like two nights oh wow so and we had gotten there literally like just in the nick of time we saw bail bondsman leaving the 
I don't know what to call it. The office, yeah. Yeah, um, or the the jail. And um, he kind of saw like a group of guys, a group of kids, just like there. And he goes, are you guys here to bail someone out? We're like, yeah. He goes, I'm a bail bondsman. I'm I'm the last one. I'm on my way out. Oh, God. And he just told us what it was, what we needed to do. And I just laid out the money. He ran in there. And sure enough. Ben comes ben out. Ben walling out. Walling hey, out. Guys. And he didn't know. Like, he had no he had no idea we knew where he was. So he had no idea we were. Yeah, because you're cut off from the world once you go in. Yeah, time. exactly. And Take also, he was like 10 minutes away from, like, going into, like, prison. Like, yeah, because it, uh, they weren't going to keep him in, like, this, like, locking, whatever you call it. Holding like, cell. Holding cell. Over the weekend. They were, like, this close to, like, having him take his clothes off and putting him in, like. Yeah, a jumpsuit and send him away. We like came into the nick, came just in the nick of time to save him. And it's the funniest thing. We had like the best pictures of him just like coming out of jail. I remember my friend Bill had a like a handle of Jack Daniels and just gave it to him. As he and we just have the best. And I had you know I'm a photographer, so I just documented the whole yeah, thing. The whole I have thing. like these amazing photos of all of that. That's awesome. Yeah. So you saved him. Yeah, we saved them. Yeah, because in the eight times I've been arrested, uh, only once was I ever bailed out. And that was the eighth time. That was like the last time. Wait, you were bailed out of jail eight times? No, no, no. I've been arrested eight times. Uh-huh. I've only been bailed out once. So what happened those other seven times? So there's certain times where it's called ROR, released on your own recognizance, where uh-huh. like if you don't have – this is the first couple times I got arrested – where if you don't have any priors or anything, they'll just let you go. Oh, seven – after seven times, you still have well, no, so, no So that happened the first couple of times. Okay. And then after that, your bail will get set to like a certain amount. But what happens is you can normally get in front of the judge in time. So like – so that's time like one through three. And then time four through five, you can get in front of the judge and the judge will say, okay, we're going to set your court date to this date. Your bail is like $1,000. So then you just got to come up with like 100 bucks. Um, and then I would get myself out. And then the last couple of times, you're just in jail. Mm. Like I was just in there and, you know, get the jumpsuit, get the whole deal. And then one time I had to wait. I got arrested in a different county than my warrant was in. So I had to get transported. Then I had to sit for like a week. Then I got in front of the judge. Then I just immediately pled guilty because I wanted to get out as soon as possible. And so then they gave me three months in jail. So then I pled guilty and then just went to serving my – like. Like full circle, just went right into serving my wow. time. Because the other thing too is like if you decide to go to trial, then you're in jail. And then if you decide to go to trial but you can make bail, you can get out. Mm-hmm. And then you have a trial date. Then you have a sentencing date. Then you have an, an adjudication date. Uh, so there's like a whole process. But for me, I was just like, no, let's just get it over with. And then finally, the last time I got arrested, um, my eighth time, I called my older sister and I was like, you need to get me out of here. Because at this point I had I had gone to rehab and I had like had tried to turn my life around and I fell off the wagon, so at this point I was like, listen, like I've got a job, I'm up for a promotion, like I need to get the fuck out of jail, like this isn't fun anymore. Like when I was in my early twenties and it's like whatever, I wait tables, like fuck it, yeah, I'll sit in here for a couple of weeks. I was like, you need to get me out now. And Emily, my older sister, who's been on this podcast before, uh, she she told that whole story, but she got me out. Wow. And that was the only time I've ever been bailed out. And I thought it was like what you're talking about with Ben, where you just show up and they're like, here's the money. Get him out of here. With her, because it was in the middle of a hurricane in Florida, they had all these like rules because mm. they can't release you into a storm because mm. then if something happens, you could sue the state so or the county. So my sister posted bail. They kept me for four, four five more days. Five more days oh they my. kept me. So she posted bail and they kept me for four more nights. And then on the fifth day, I was released at like six in the morning. Damn. Yeah, because they're like, oh, there's a hurricane. Like there's flooding. There's advisories. So like we can't let anybody out. Wow. So she's posted all this money and then I just sat there. I'm being hyperbolic. Maybe it was only like three days but yeah. still it was a lot longer than it should have been right because once you post bail they're supposed to immediately release you right so you get bent out okay <laughs> let's get back to you you okay. get bent out and then um we have a couple stories about ben <laughs> i so i only bring this up because it's hilarious now it's not your story but you heard it secondhand and it's about ben who we're talking about can you tell the story about ben at the wedding do you feel comfortable telling that or not um yeah i guess i i mean i don't know i don't know I hope he doesn't hear it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, we didn't this, say any last names, and this is there's a right. lot of Bens in the world. Sure, sure. You did give a pretty thorough description. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, he. Uh, this is one of our favorite stories. This is funny because this, this is... This was one of my favorites. He kind of moved the way, so we kind of, you know, weren't as tight as we were. So we heard this story secondhand from, like, one of his friends that from where he lives now, the city he lives in now, was kind of... I forget how, but we just heard this story. And apparently what had happened was Ben's wife was... In so Ben's married. Ben's married at the time. <laughs> As Derek Gaines would say, plot twist. <laughs> yeah. And um, his wife is, it's her best friend's wedding. So his wife is in the bridal party. And you know what happens at weddings. If you're a bridal party, it's like an all-day obligation. You got to be there at like 10 a.m., hair yeah. and makeup. And and I don't know where the wedding is, but it's probably not where Ben lives. So he has to, he's probably, you know, spent the night before at the hotel so he's basically by himself because his wife has these wedding yeah. obligations. And you can't leave Ben by himself. Cannot, no. anything we've learned from this. Clearly. And uh, But what is Ben to do? If you're not near a casino, the other option is drinking. So he starts drinking. And by the time the wedding starts, he's inebriated. And the bridal party, the ladies are wearing these strapless dresses. And in the middle of the wedding, in front of everybody, <laughs> he goes to one of the bridesmaids, who he knows very well, you know, his wife's other close, close friend, and just essentially just pants the woman. Pants her. Pants her, but I don't know what the term is when you're wearing dresses. Dresses, dresses, dresses her. Dresses her down. Straight down to her ankles. <laughs> In front of everybody. So he to see. pulls the dress down. Yes. And then, surprise, surprise, this bridesmaid wasn't wearing any underwear. Yeah. So just yeah. fully naked in front of everybody. In front of everybody. And, like, again, I wasn't there, but the person telling me the story, I just, like, had a million questions. Like, every, like everyone was, like, everyone saw it. Like, yes, everyone saw it. Like, people were coming out of the kitchen. Oh, my <laughs> God. And my next question was, was she shaved? And he's like, yeah. yeah obviously. <laughs> the next question yeah so that's ben yeah <laughs> that's one of your buddies i love how when before you started telling the stories you're like well he's a friend of a friend he's like a tertiary friend no no, no. ben is a close friend he okay. was just like not like in the in, friend group he was but like he wasn't you know he had moved away okay. so like you know he wasn't there as often but oh, he was okay, definitely okay. like in the group. like in high school to... he was a group once we like got older a lot of people stayed yeah in the northeast like new york new jersey where he left so i like, thought you were why. trying to distance yourself from him because of the stories i mean yeah it we is what it, you, it is what it is we love you ben uh you mentioned casinos yeah um and so you did have a story about new orleans on here oh so we're gonna end because we are coming up. Yeah, we are coming up to the time. So I want to end with you have quite a few stories about New Orleans. So take this as long as you want. We got plenty of time. <laughs> um, but tell everybody what happened in New Orleans. So what? How old are you? When is this? When is this all going? Yeah, down? again, this is like probably like this is. Um, we went there for New Year's. I forget what year it was, but we had still had the Shore House like during the summer. So it was like between 2001 and 2004. Okay. So there, maybe 2000, right after it's possible. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, I remember we were debating what to do for New Year's and you know, we saw cheap flights to New Orleans and I had never been. So we we're like, yeah, let's do it. So is this, how many people is this? It was me and two other friends. Okay. So it was the three, just three of us, which is very rare for that group. And, yeah, because um, you're normally rolling five, six, seven deep. Oh uh, yeah, if that's on the s small side, yeah. And um, we uh, we decide to go to Vegas, and we New Orleans. Oh, excuse me, New Orleans. And um, the first thing we do. Have you been to Vegas too? Yeah. Yes. Yes. We got some stories there too. I don't know if I'm next time. Next time. <laughs> but uh, the first thing we do. So you're in your mid twenties at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pretty a little older, and. Um, the first thing we do, we still have our luggage. We don't even check in to the hotel yet. We just go straight to a strip club. What time is it? Oh, it's in the middle of the day. Yeah, like it's, the, it's like, like noon. Yeah. It's yeah. It's I'm assuming you guys landed and you're like, check ins not till three. What exactly. are we gonna do for three hours? Exactly. That's exactly club. what had happened. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like just That's how it always happens. Yeah. We just had a cab drop us off in the middle of Bourbon Street. Like, you know, we're tourists. What do we what do we know? Like, just take us there. So we get there, we just walk into the first strip club we see, and we're like the only people there. There's yeah. like three of us at, sitting at the stage, and um, there's a dancer on the stage, 
and we notice that there is literally a shower on the stage. There's a shower, like a glass door shower. So there's a full-on shower. It's not yeah. like just like a nozzle or a hose. There's a shower. There's a shower, like a shower ahead. There's like a little chair and, you know, and it's enclosed in glass and with, you know, full drainage system on the stage. And so know, many questions. Yeah. So I remember and this is one of the dark stories that we we It uh, was we hilarious from yeah. <laughs> And um funny enough, the guys I were with 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 two they're both named Joe. So I'm going to call them Joe 1 and Joe 2. All right. <laughs> and um we uh we asked we asked the dancer like what's the story with this shower in yeah. the middle of the stage? Like what she's like well, for $50, you can come on stage and you can take the shower head and spray me down. And that's, you know, a, a service we offer. That's a service we offer! <laughs> so I said, yeah, sign me up. Let's do it. <laughs> so, you know, she's like, yeah, I got to, you know, dance for like 10 more minutes. But after that, we'll do it. I'm like, okay, all right. So in your Sounds head, good. it's yeah, on. It's like on, Donkey yeah. Kong. And she's, you know, collects her singles off the stage and she starts to get off. And and you're thinking, here we go. It's time. Yeah. And I'll never forget. There's like steps going down off the stage. And she kind of, I guess, like sits down by the steps. I don't know, to like gather, put, collect the singles or whatever. And she starts to go down the steps. She just like falls backwards. And starts, oh, my God. So do you guys are, – are you guys, like, panicking? Like, what the fuck is happening? I had no idea. At first, I thought she was, like, messing around, like, doing, like, some sort of, like, Bit. gymnastics trick or something. Yeah. And she starts having a seizure. And, like, I just, like I, – I like, my heart sinks to my chest. And, I like, I start panicking. I like, start looking dying. around. Like, yeah. yeah, someone help her. And I'm looking around. And sure enough, a bouncer comes up, picks her up, and just takes her off. <laughs> And like, you know, I'm like, all right, he's, he's, you know, it looked like this wasn't the first time this happened. Like, he like looked like he knew what he was doing. So like, but at the same time, like my anxiety is through a roof. Like I felt so bad for that person. Like I just, and like, we're pretty drunk at this point. And yeah, but, like I immediately, it's one in the afternoon. Yeah, exactly. And we're in New Orleans. But I just remember that feeling like just immediately sobering up. And like my first instinct is like, I'm at this point, I'm already at the door. I have my luggage and I'm like getting out of there and me and Joe one are like, we need to get F out of here. Like now, like this is not a good vibe, not yeah. a good way to start the, the trip. And this we is need a to very bad omen. Very bad omen. Like we're on our way down and like I, we put Joe, me and Joe one look and see Joe two sitting at the bar. Look, I was like, where are you guys going? He's sipping on a Bud Light. <laughs> they cleared her out. Everything is good. Come back. There's, there'll be another one. <laughs> oh my God. Joe two. Yeah. In it. In it for the long haul. Yeah. God, where are you guys going? Yeah. Oh, man. He was fine. He could have been there all day. He was content. God, did you guys do anything? How long were you in New Orleans for? Uh, two or three nights. Yeah. Okay. Did you stay right there near Bourbon Street? Yeah, just right off it. Okay, yeah, because we stayed at the – when I played in the New Orleans Bowl for college football, we, we stayed at the Sheridan, which was like two blocks away. Okay. And I remember being like 19 and then just going down Bourbon Street. And like nobody checks IDs, nobody checks anything, so it was right. just like – the Wild West. And this is in 2008. Yeah. So it was insanity. Yeah. It, it was it was probably a short time after you had been there. Yeah. Probably. God. Yeah. Any, it's a wild place. I, yeah. I probably, I you know, it was just, I kind of swore to myself that I would never go back. But I hear it's like cleaned up a lot. It was just, I don't know, it was very seedy. It's not my my kind of place. Yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not the biggest fan. I mean, I yeah. love it, but at, at the same time. Yeah. I'm not going to go back unless I have to. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate oh, it. Thank tell you. everybody one more time where they can find you. John and his camera. Tell John, everybody. John and his camera on Instagram, johncafaro.com. Yeah, if you need headshots, lifestyle shots, anything social media related, photo-wise, let me know. Absolutely. Yeah. And then befriend John. Get in tight with John. And then, as you heard earlier, then he probably won't charge you that much. There we go. <laughs> Kidding. Full price for everybody. If you mention ex-drinking buddy, he'll charge you double. Uh, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. BrennanTComedy.com. Got dates coming up uh, around New York, and then I'll be in Ohio in May. Brennan T. Comedy on all social media. Uh, subscribe on Patreon. And we will talk to you all next week. 